Welcome to The Prestige, all about films, filmmaking and film theory. Each week we pick a movie, we talk about it, we review it, and we discuss some of the ideas and themes that it throws up. And as always, we'll end with our recommendations of further watching inspired by the film of the week. Before we get into this week's film, we always have a little catch up on what else we've been taking with watching this week. So Sam, what else have you been watching this week? Well, this week is, is momentous because after over two months of being incapacitated with a broken leg, I can actually go to the cinema. Um, and I have, have been out and about before, but um, this is the first time I've ventured down to the cinema. Um, so I don't know whether my experience was coloured by the fact that I was just happy to be out and about, but uh, I really enjoyed myself at a showing of the latest Marvel film, Doctor Strange. There were a couple of dodgy things about it. Um, Tilda Swinton's role being strangely whitewashed and Benedict Cumberbatch's bizarre shifting American accent. He can't do an American accent. Um, but everything else was amazing. The visuals were brilliant and the interaction between the characters was great. Uh, brilliant acting performances from Gerard Lager for... Bendit Cumberbatch, if you ignored how he sounded. Um, Rich McAdams was good. Tilda Winter was brilliant. It was just really good fun. Um, Excellent. I, have, I haven't seen it myself, obviously, because, you know, baby. But uh, I have heard great things about it. It's great fun. It's it, it, the, the special effects, I suppose, are sort of taken from Inception, but... It's like an exception that you don't have to sit and think about. Mm. So it's it's good fun. Okay, I, I mean, at this point, Marvel just kind of very practiced at just kind of churning out mm. good films. You know, they they, they aren't going to win Oscars, but they they're just good films. Mm. It's interesting to see though how they've taken it in a different direction because Doctor Strange. I know they've had sort of supernatural elements with Thor and Loki before but Doctor Strange is very definitely magical mm. uh, so th- that was an interesting take on this because if, if you remove magic from it then this is essentially the story of Iron Man right because it's he, he, I mean th- there's no spoiler in that he's he's a eccentric um, misanthropic billionaire who suffers an accident and has to come to terms with it and uses his immense brain power to basically take take on forces against mankind. So it, he, he is just Tony Stark. But it, it, is, it is interesting. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, my, mine hasn't been an out visit, but I have actually, inspired by our current franchise watching, I've started watching Ash vs. the Evil Dead. Right. Um, I'm only like a couple of episodes in, but it's very much... In the style of probably Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, as opposed to Evil Dead, um, I think that you've got to. Have, it, it is it is gory, it is bloody, it is violent, but it's very it's very much Bruce Campbell's show. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's I'm still kind of I'm a little reticent because I think a lot of things when they change change from one medium to another don't hold up very well. Um, certain things deserve to exist in one medium rather than another, and so any movie that becomes a TV show is always when we're like, mm, I'm not sure, not sure. Um, but so far, really enjoying it. 
Bruce Campbell is Bruce Campbell. Uh, at this point, he just kind of plays Bruce Campbell in everything he does. Um, but it's a it's a role I enjoy him in. It's a, a, a character of Ash. You know, in the first five minutes, you see him use his now wooden hand um, to pick up a girl in a bar, having told her that he lost it trying to save her a orphan from a runaway train um, and accidentally unleashes the deadites by getting high with a hooker and infesting her with the undead. It's very slapdash in that kind of army of darkness way but it's it's one I enjoy. I'm how not sure it, Sam would enjoy it as much. How does it work with... I mean, Bruce Campbell must be, what, mid-late 50s now? Yes. I mean, how, how does it work to have the character updated like that? Um, it's it's interesting. I'm seeing how, how it will play out because currently we haven't quite got into the meat and bones of him being an action hero yet, shall we say? Mm. Um, he's very much like he lives in a trailer. Um, he's drunk most of the time, kind of thing. So it's it's very much playing on that idea that this is something that happened to him, but he's still a, he'll still a screw up. He's still you know, Ash. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's, in it's second or third series now. Um, so. I'm intrigued to see how it will play out, but my understanding is that he starts to have a, a crew around him. He may do the heavy lifting in terms of the physical effects and the physical fights. Yeah. Um, but I will report back in time. Okay. Which takes us nicely, well, I'm not sure nicely is the right word, onto this week's film, which is um, Pedro Alvarez's 2013 film, Evil Dead. Dead, and there is no V in this, um, as there was in the original film, is a 2013 remake of Sam Raimi's work. And although Sam Raimi himself is a producer, as indeed is Bruce Campbell, um, so there are links to the originals here. This is directed by Alvarez, who was uh, most most recently known for Don't Breathe I think so he's he, he tends to make films like this horror films like this um, and as well as Alvarez being at the helm it stars an all new cast and the, that cast are in all new roles as well this, is, this isn't the story of Ash and Shelley this is um, a, whole, a whole new cast and in, indeed a whole new plot um, and this is a reboot of the franchise, although, as I said, it involves different characters, and it's based on the 1981 film, and although the plot and the characters are different, it follows the same story arc, uh, but it also has led to talks of sequels that would cross over into the universe of Romy's later films, and also 
it seems that the success of this film may be led to uh, the production of the t TV series which started in 2015, which Ross just been talking about. Um, and the plot, is, I suppose, from a basic point of view, it's just uh, the story of a recovering drug addict who decides to take a cottage in the woods, which happens to have been owned by their family, um, and is accompanied by her brother, who's been out of touch for a while, and failed to be around when their mother was dying, which is a sort of um, sort of strain between them and a few of their friends and they are supposed to band together to help Mia uh, recover and you find out at the beginning that Mia has been Mia the drug addict has been through this process many times before and they don't have high hopes for her recovery and that is pretty much where this film starts Rob now this is a film um, it's hard to judge this film in isolation shall we say um, we'll get into more of this later but A it, it is a it is in, in a franchise that I enjoy and obviously I'm watching this film having in the last three weeks watched the previous three films so we're going into this fresh off the back of the original Raimi trilogy I, for me this is a film of two halves um, and a half is very, 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 very generous. I would say the first three quarters of this film is not good. Um, it is. It appears to have lost all of the manic glee of Remy's film. It's lost all of the uniqueness of the of those of that vision, um, and certainly none of the characters that we are given are in any way as I don't know engaging as Ash is in those films um, in many ways they, they are stupid stupid people who make silly mistakes all along um, and all along I was wishing for them to die or you see them make a choice and you're like well that's clearly you dead you know people are dying in the front centre and you wander off by yourself into the house but that is not how you survive these things <coughs> and when we live in a post scream post cabin in the woods world it's very hard to pull off that kind of kind of movie and those kind of characters, because we're like, well, why would you do that? You know, if, if two of your party are down and one's clearly possessed, why would you send your very timid girlfriend off into the house by yourself? Mm. That there, there are some questions there. That being said, the place where this film starts to diverge from the original, which is probably even just the last twenty minutes, in which Mia comes back out of her um, demon-induced mania is resurrected by her brother and and spoiler alert guys spoilers it here has to fight the abomination that is risen by their abductions i really enjoyed that ending i thought the last 20 minutes were very very good and something that i very much was involved in and liked but i did seat seat through an hour of frankly subpar slasher movies to get there right sam well, I feel you might half agree with me in that you may agree on my take of the ending. Yes, it's it's a film of two halves, and they're both terrible. <laughs> it's, it's my um, it's just 
it's it's marketed as I think the most scary film you'll ever experience. This this film didn't scare me at all. I was just bored. It's repeatedly throughout this, and I'll, I'll talk about the the beginning as as you mentioned that there. Talk about why the beginning doesn't work. I think there are, there are many things about why the beginning doesn't work, but we can see what's happening straight away, even in the opening sequence with the girl being pursued. You can see what's coming, so there's nothing scary about it. And even in like a, a film that's patently not a horror film, like The Revenant, this is one of my favourite films this year, it has moments where the director knows to scare the audience and how to do that with the camera and he just Alvarez just misses that it's just not scary at all no um, and then it, the title of the, their family is just feels a bit meh and I preferred the unknown of the Raimi films we were talking about uh, a few weeks ago this this idea of the unknown being important in, in horror and that sense that they're going somewhere that they're not sure about was something I thought really contributed to the sense of danger in, in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there were a couple of good things. Um, the idea that they don't believe Mia because they think she's going cold turkey and it's quote-unquote crazy withdrawal talk was interesting like there was no like the, the motivation for not believing the character in the first film wasn't really there it was just well she's being crazy and we're not going to listen to her whereas here there was a, a concrete reason for not listening to her so I like that I like the fact that in the first one you had the woods keeping keeping them there and he you kind of have the other characters keeping Mia there because they know that this withdrawal hasn't worked there before so they decide they're going to keep her in the house so there were some interesting things it just wasn't as scary as it wanted to be and uh, even things like having two cars I mean two cars is less scary than one car because if you've got one car, there's only one link to the outside, and immediately there were two links. I think the thing for me, one thing it's just occurred to me a question there is that what this film I think seeks to do is to try and explain a lot of the first film. Yes, yeah. So you get you get the explanation of this is why in the first film the woman was raped by the tree. So that happens again in this film, but it's clearly not a a rape scene. It's kind of a impregnation possession scene. Mm. And you explain why these demons are possessing these kids. It's about getting five and all that kind of thing. And why, you know, the, the whole idea of dismemberment for burial, all that kind of thing. Why these work in the first film and second film. And this desire to try and explain some of that first film has kind of, I think, robbed it of some of the scare factor. Much uh, as we to bring up like Star Wars and explaining the Force's way in terms of midi-chlorians in that first film, in The Phantom Menace, it kind of ruined the the magic of it all. And here, by explaining what's going on behind the scenes, or why these unnerable forces are attacking these creatures, 
robbers of their power. We mentioned previously in previous episodes Lovecraft and the idea of this huge old elder power in which we are but gnats against. And that being it's scary in itself. But here we know, well, here is a demon, here are its rules. And once there are rules, then you can win. And in the first one, it never felt like you won, you merely survived. It's like that old thing about dissecting comedy being about being like dissecting a frog. I mean, mm. you can maybe see how it works, but you end up making a mess and the frog's dead at the end and no one wins. Just, yeah. One, one of the things I, I kept going back to was I'd, I'd read something beforehand about the names of the five characters, David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, Natalie, spelling out demon. And mm. that seemed to me more interesting than anything I was watching in the film. And I ended up thinking about that. See, I, I really didn't like that. Like that, that felt to me, having gone through um, a film degree, like first year film, student film idea, well, if their names fell this out, that's, it just felt trite. It just felt like that was a little joke that we were supposed to think was deep, but really wasn't. Right, yeah. Um, like, I see what you're saying with it, but I, I, for me, that just like that just felt like student filmmaking and its worst kind of tropes mm. and I think like, the film works very hard to try and throw back to the original um, they have discussed in interviews that this was like part sequel, part reboot part reimagining, part redux um, of the original film and I think that, that, that there are these throwbacks and you get this idea that of the, the, the chainsaw, chainsaw and the shotgun and the cabin in the woods obviously and the basement and the chains and there are lots of these little like um moments that are throwing back the the, the hero losing a hand kind of thing and early on you see the what the girlfriend chop her arm off and you i thought oh that's the throwback to him losing his hand uh, but later on they, they, she loses her hand as well and i kind of saw what they were going for with it and i think there is a i suppose there is a argument being made for the idea that these are these are I suppose supernatural means in that these events repeat themselves over and over again mm. there's all that you know there's always a cabin in the woods there's always some kids there's always a demon you know and it comes this Buffy-esque mythology of there always being a slayer and that the, the, these events will repeat themselves because they're part of the fabric of, of life and there is there is a a interesting story to be told there, but this wasn't it. It was just a a low a, a average slasher film, which had I admit some great effective effects, hand down, very good effects, uh, and it's interesting they did them all physically on sets rather than having to do a lot of CGI. Mm. But you know, so much of it didn't make any sense. Like the opening scene, the opening scene we've got there's a little bait and switch in that you see this woman running through the forest who is kidnapped by some clearly sort of deformed rednecks for want of a better word um, who then seem to torture her um, but it turns out that she's possessed and the torturer is her dad who's trying to save her all that kind of thing and there's a nice little bait and switch there and I had a little, I had a little idea that somehow there'd be this roving pack of you know hills have eyes rednecks who are really the good guys who are the ones going around trying to stop these demons in their woods but we mm. never see them again they never come back it didn't, yeah, that, that first section didn't appear to connect to the rest of the film. 
No. Um, and it, it was it was an interesting section, but it wasn't anything like it just. Th- th- there was a much more interesting film there about this family who, I suppose, are supernatural vigilantes who go through helping these people to get caught. You know that they've lived through these these repeated old stories in the woods and now have decided to change things. And that's a very interesting story, but we didn't get that story. We got a little flush that story, and then we got five pretty, you know teenagers who were in their 30s getting slowly brutalised in a, in a stupid ways in the forest so uh, we weren't keen I say um, but I do think there's something interesting about how this film sits in terms of the the now quadrilogy of films you, you mentioned there the idea of it being a redux rather than like a reboot a revisiting because in the revisiting, you just sort of tread the same narrative path, and this is this is a redux in the sense of um, being in the same place and telling some of the same story, but you do it with different characters. So this idea of supernatural means returning is a really good one, and it's that word, the, the word that I keep coming back to, and you keep coming back to, of interesting, like. There is something interesting about this film. Where this film sits in the corpus of Evil Dead films is interesting. Where the opening scene sits in the rest of the film is interesting. The idea of the Nobby family with the professor being Mm. vigilante is interesting. Lots of these things are interesting, but this film doesn't quite do what it wants to do. No, I I agree. I agree. I think there's that the film's working very hard to reference the original. Now I haven't seen the recent Ghostbusters remake reboot, but my thing is that it's a very similar thing of trying to be a new film in itself, but have references to the original to try and lure the clowns in. And this film had that. It had lots of little little things that referenced that original. And you know the moment in which the camera you see early on, you see uh, the chainsaw in the um, in the woodshed. And and everything they're thinking, ah, oh, I know what that means, I know what that means, you know. It, we often we bring it up almost every episode, but Chekhov's gun of like, oh we know what that is, we know what that is. Mm. Um and you see that, yeah, well that, that's coming out later. And they there were interesting ways that you know, that the, the way Mia loses her hand at the end is a very interesting change on how Ash loses his hand. But it felt sometimes like they didn't earn those references. Mm. It was just like, well, the original had a chainsaw, so we're having a chainsaw. The other one had a shotgun, so we're having a shotgun. And it didn't feel like they something had crowbarred into the story. Mm. Well, can you save us with any recommendations then, Rob? I, I, I can try, I can try. So I've got two recommendations, um, both still in the horror genre. Um, both One is just a themic one, and one's more of a um, actual link. So my first one, which is kind of themic, is the 2005 film The Descent. Uh, five friends go caving and it goes wrong, basically. And they are hunted by creatures they find in those caves. Um, it's from Neil Marshall. It is very, very scary. The sequel isn't worth following up. Um, but if you want to see how to do that kind of five friends get lost and get killed in the in the woods, in the wild story, in a post-modernistic world, this is very much the archetype that I would point you towards. It is, it is it is very very scary very very scary um, and it, it everything I think this film wanted to be 
Well. My second recommendation is actually taking one of the actors from Evil Dead, and that is Lou Taylor Pussy. Pussy. He played Eric. He played the sort of the the burnout Nirvana style character. Eric. I hope he was better in what you're about to say because. <laughs> He was terrible in this. Well, it took me, it took me IMDb to look up the link because he's so good in the other film. And I was like, really? Really? Yeah. Um, and that's a film from two years ago called Spring. Now, I, I reviewed this when it came out at the time. Um, it stars Lou Taylor and Nadia Hilker. Lou is a American student who ends up in Italy sparking a romance with a local girl who turns out to be not everything she thinks or he thinks she is or she says she is. It is a horror film, but it's more of a romantic horror film. There are shades of Lovecraft. There are shades of Geiger-esque horror. There's body horror in there. It's one of those films where to explain what's going on is to give a lot of it away. Um, But it is another how to do horror in the modern world. Um, It didn't get a huge release. and It didn't get huge reviews. You can pick it up. I think it's probably on Netflix and like that. Um... But if you haven't seen Spring and you like horror, you want something different in terms of horror, Spring uh, from Justin Benson is is a great, great horror film. Right. Sam? Yes. Um, you, Those of you listening probably know that horror is not exactly in my genre. Um, but I do like um, gritty psychological films. And these two... While they probably might be referred to as horrific, they are more in in that way. Um, My first one is a connection via the composer for this, Rocky Banyos, who has also worked on one of Rob's favourite films, Sexy Beast, um, Mm -hmm. and The Machinist, and then a load of Spanish-language films. Um, but he also did the music for Old Boy, which I absolutely love, and it's it's just astonishing. is is visually very impressive. There's a a scene which sticks in my mind with the main character fighting a load of people in the corridor, and you see him get hurt and get tired and be human and carry on and it's amazing and it it is it is horrifying it's horrific but I wouldn't I'm, I'm not sure that you'd, you'd call it a horror film so no um, and another one which I suppose later incarnations you might call horror films um and I think later incarnations are, are terrible, as we've discussed in this podcast before. But the original is still one of my favourite, and it's not a horror film. It's a, it's a suspense film, it's a psychological drama, and it is the 2004 film Saw. And I was thinking of... Oh, it's, it's still a horror film. Well, it's, a, it's a body horror film. Okay, all right. Admit it, Sam, you like horror films. You can't hide it anymore with your oh, snobby ways. You like horror films. Damn it. I'm not being snobby, but... Yeah. I'm not saying you beat <laughs> me. I'm saying you are snobby. Like, it's inherent. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Um, it, I was thinking that scene with um, Eric, terrible actor Eric, who it turns out is actually quite good, 
and Olivia in the bathroom. I was just thinking about Saw, which is another film with bathroom scenes, which is infinitely better. So that would be my, my second recommendation. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's the end of our uh, our coverage of the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, what are we picking up with next week, Sam? Well, next week we are going back to a franchise I think a lot of people will have engaged with, might not necessarily have seen, but it's become a big part of um, pop culture consciousness. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen one or two of the original films, but I'm not, not sure which, to be honest. So it'd be good for me to go back and see it again. Um, and it is the uh, franchise Alien. Mm. I, I look forward to, to actually properly engaging with that. Yes, yes. So we, we, we're aiming to do the, the four Alien films. So Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Resurrection. We probably aren't going to be touching the Alien vs Predator films or the bizarre Prometheus remakes or um, later films. Let, let's just do Prometheus now. It's terrible. It was so bad. So bad. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. But anyway, next week, Alien, the first of, of the series. Till then, guys, if you like the podcast, please, A, share it around, tell your friends, but please go give us a review on wherever you listen to, whether that's Stitcher or Spotify or google play or any of the places where or itunes anywhere like that where you give us a listen please give us a review it really helps us kind of build the podcast up a little bit um and come tell us that you like it find us on twitter we're both on twitter at pressy podcast i'm on twitter at life underscore academic and i'm on twitter at rob kaiju um until then we will see you back here next week The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr. Arr.